Make sure we don't um, touch feet, because that would be weird if right. we took... Oh, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> Cross the line. It's happened, like. you touched my foot with your foot. Oh, no. I hated that. <laughs> um, it's your last day tomorrow. Shit, it is my last day tomorrow. Yeah, it's my last day tomorrow it's as well. your last day tomorrow. Maybe yeah. your last day. Maybe. Will you be back? I think Kofang Yang is probably one of the only places after four years of traveling that I could see myself living. That's a crazy statement. That's a big statement. Like, it's a crazy statement, that. Four years of traveling. Um, I'm trying to reflect why, and I think it's just the pure freedom. Yeah. And the fact that it's just, it's not like, it's always interesting. When you go to a big city, everyone's always miserable. Yeah. And I don't know why, it's just because there's so many people around in one place. When you go to little villages in the mountains, everyone's so happy and chill yeah and this is just super chill everyone very quiet well relatively quiet island yeah. um, everyone's living their best life everyone's everything's geared towards like nomads and um it's a real spiritual community everyone's super happy and friendly it's a lot of amazing food amazing people amazing views and you can just go and bike everywhere <laughs> yeah it's just paradise it's really like, good isn't it <laughs> it's going to be really hard to leave like i haven't been traveling as long as you at all and i know you've been to some amazing beautiful places but for you to say that and to have that feeling, I mean, you've got your necklace of the, the courts as well, keep yeah. it with you at all times. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's a special place. And I'm already thinking, well, I told you I was up at six o'clock this morning, worrying that- Crying. Yeah, crying <laughs> that leaving was gonna be the wrong decision. But yeah, I can see myself settling here, setting up shop. But so you said you were looking for, you know, what, what are the things that you're looking for that would make a place livable then? So if you're working remotely, which you have been doing for so long, what are like the three pillars or however many pillars you want to use? What does a place have to meet? What standards does it have to meet to make it livable? That's interesting. So I think there's two, there's two types of places, right? right? There's ones which you get to live, to visit. Yeah. It's like tourist places. Yeah, I definitely am excited to go there for like a month. I could stay there for a month, but I couldn't live there. Yeah. There's very few places where I could say I could live. And I think it's down to the culture of the place. Yeah. Uh, like for example, this island is very much westernized. Yes. Um, I, don't, I feel like I could be in Europe or America. Like I don't feel like I'm in yeah. some, obviously it feels like Asia, but not really culturally as much as if it was on like another island, for example. So that makes this different. It makes more hope, feels more like home than it like a random yeah. tourist place, which is beautiful that I like to visit, but I couldn't see myself living there. So that's one aspect for sure. Touch feet again, yeah. <laughs> so that's one aspect for sure. But no, I think it's interesting. I don't. I guess the, the pillars would be somewhere, you know, amazing places to visit, like yeah. explore. Yeah. So that's either like you know, hiking, it could be water sports, island hopping. Like as long as there's endless amounts of places to explore, yeah. that's a good location. Um, and then it's, it's good if you have like everything you need there. It's so like a really good gym, yeah. um, good places to go and socialize, good places uh, to go and co-work. So I guess they're the pillars, but I guess the main thing is just, you don't really, you can't really make, create it, it's just there. It's that yeah. essence of you feeling an attachment to a place and feeling yeah. your home there. And it's more of a spiritual thing than actually a tick on a box. Yeah, um, okay. Because I've been to other places which is like Kofangen, but they're not, they're not. Yeah. And there's not much, like, I don't know, Bali or, or other places like Giddy Tea, like it's similar, but it's not Kofangen. Yeah. And I can't really explain why, it just isn't. I like that. <laughs> and I think to add to that, one of the things we noticed straight away coming here, it wasn't as, I'm not going to say friendly, but people weren't as quick to sort of make relationships. Whereas where you're traveling in hostels, people are there for a few days, you make friends quickly, we're best friends for two days now, I'll never see you again, bye. 
Whereas here, people were a little bit more cautious to kind of instantly, particularly like at the gym. But that's because people live here. It's much more, you know, it's not as much of a flow of people in and out. So I, what I found is after being here a few weeks, now I sort of know everyone at the gym and you you kind of seep into it. I don't think there's any rushing that. And I feel like the longer I would be here, the more I'd get out of Copangyang, not because of, oh, I've explored a new place. It's like yeah. the more you seep into it. You the integrate more, into society. Yeah, yeah. You, and this is a place you can really plug in for a while and integrate into it and become part of a community. Yeah, you become a tantra slut. Become a tantra slut. <laughs> can we say that? But yeah, there's a lot of tantra sluts here. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. But that might also be the reason why this place feels like home, just because so many other people make it their home. Yeah. Like if everyone here was just here for a few days and left, it probably wouldn't have the same vibe. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's just a continuous cycle of people staying here longer, yeah. other people stay longer. Other people but stay then longer. when they stay longer, they make businesses because they bring the home comforts with them. They go, do you know what? This place is beautiful, but it'd that's be true. nice to have this here. Okay, I'll build a business. So maybe yeah. that's... But then why did they stay in the first place? Anyway, we love Koh Panyan, basically. <laughs> is that it's a huge review tick in the box for Koh Panyan. But you're the first person who actually, I never realized it was possible to live this lifestyle um, until I met you on a train. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that, you know, you could kind of do this. Obviously I've sort of heard about it, but I didn't know anyone who was doing this. And obviously you've been doing this for way longer, but you, and while I was in work and in like a nine to five, I was always seeing pictures of you off in, you know, Columbia and here and there and everywhere and thinking, uh, lucky bugger but it wasn't lucky it wasn't lucky you knew that was what you wanted from university and i know one of your like your close friends matt he always used to say that like you throughout uni you had your head down you were grinding you had that bigger vision that you knew you weren't ever gonna go into a nine to five um and you were gonna create something and you created your first startup but yeah, what was your mindset and how did you know without, because I had to be in a nine to five to know that I fucking hated it. So how did you already know and what was going on in your mind at the time? No, I think it's interesting. When I was in uni, I didn't think that I'd be traveling full time all the time. Right. I wanted to travel and I saw loads of like amazing photos traveling with beautiful girls. I was like, that's really cool. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And my first startup was just like a stepping stone. I was like, oh, I could do this for a few years, travel a bit. Like, yeah, it'd be good fun. But then it just, you know, you see the good life and then you want the, you want the <laughs> yeah. good life, you know, you get a taste of it and then you're addicted and then that's all you want. Um, no, but it's a good question. I think, I've, as, I think I'm through and through an entrepreneur. That's always yeah. who I have been. And I've always done things differently. Yeah. So everyone else goes this way. I'm like, no, I'm going to go that way. Uh -huh. And pretty much a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs, you can see the same thing. I think with yourself as well, it's like everyone does things one way, but you want to do things your own way, yeah. different way. You're very different to society you're happy to do things differently yeah. and you're confident in doing things differently. And that's what allows entrepreneurs to thrive because you can create new things. You're not afraid to go against the grain, do things differently, think differently. Yeah. Um, and that's what entrepreneurs are all about. It's like, you know, breaking the matrix, mm. as a lot of people would say. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I've always had that mindset. And when I was in uni, I think my big, I've always, like when I was in education, even when I was like 15, 16, I always remember thinking, there's only like three years, four years left till I finish uni and then I can, I'll can i be free yeah. to create myself and be who I want to be. I always felt like I was put in a box in uni and school and I couldn't be who I wanted to be and express myself. And I had all this burning ambition of what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be, but I just couldn't. I was just you know in a classroom working, 
I couldn't become who I wanted to be. But as soon as I finished uni, um, I started applying for jobs, but I didn't even want a job. I was just, everyone else was doing it. I was like, I'll, I'll apply for this, apply for that. Got rejected from them all. And I was like, I don't care anyway. Um, and then, yeah, I just thought I'll start my own thing. And it's ever since then, I've been always been doing my own thing. Yeah. And I've never had a real job. Never so had a boss. Never had a boss, really, no. Sick. Always. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I guess as an entrepreneur, there's always someone who's your boss, whether it's, you know, your investors or your customers, I guess, yeah. in some cases. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. No official boss, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. And I think what something you touched on there was this idea of being an entrepreneur and idea of being a leader. And something I know you've shared with me before and I've shared with you is you don't get any support. Like, if you're going against the grain and you're paving your own way, that means no one's walked that path before. That means you're not going to get any support. And also, you're going to have to show courage because, one, you're not getting the support. And one, you don't really know. You're just confident in yourself that you are going to get there. And you don't know what the path looks like in front of you. You just know that, well, I'm going to figure it out. When I come across this obstacle, I'm going to figure it out. But a lot of people that would really really scare mm. so how do you manage that that paving your own way not getting the support and just you know being responsible and paving that way for others how do you manage that yourself how do you navigate that yeah i think being an entrepreneur is one of the loneliest things you can do yeah because no one understands you really like yes you have other entrepreneur mates who are stressed but they're not in your shoes no one else is in your shoe you're the only one in your shoes and you know you always have employees, your customers, investors, family, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, whatever. They can support you, yeah. but they have no idea what you're going through. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people can't relate to it. Mm. I've had, I know a lot of relationships with the broke, which have broke up because you know the, the guys are hustling away and the girl doesn't understand, or vice versa. The girl's hustling away and the boyfriend doesn't understand, doesn't relate. Um, and it's yeah, I think that what's helped me thrive and survive as an entrepreneur is surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs. Mm. Everyone's in the same mindset. Everyone's, you know, on, you know, in death Valley about to you know, <laughs> not have any money next month. Um, or, and then obviously at the end of that is, you know, you're yeah. very successful. Um, but everyone's trying to survive and thrive together and having this community of entrepreneurs is so powerful to help you move forward. Mm. That's why all of my close inner circle friends now are all entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial minded or have some sort of entrepreneurialism in them just so then you can just sort of relate to each other. You're supporting each other through the worst and the best. Mm. If someone isn't in that, they can't understand the worst and they can't be happy for you with the best. They just think you're just boasting about it. Yeah. When you have absolutely every right to boast about your yeah. successes. But other entrepreneurs understand that and you, know, you support each other through, you're each on your own journey, but you're there supporting each other through each other's journey, which I think is really powerful. What was the other question? Well, yeah, man, I think we touched on that a little bit. I love that. And this idea, it sort of comes in waves. Like, you're not all on the journey together, but you'll all be experiencing some success. And then someone will be having this success, but then there's a dip coming for them. You're in a dip, and then your success is here. But through spending time going through those waves and, like, understanding that journey, you can really relate to each other, and you sort of have a real, yeah, that group of people understand, they can zoom out, they see things in perspective. Um, and I can see that being, yeah, very powerful um, and also reassuring to know when you are in those dips that, don't worry, after the dip, it comes out, this is what happened to me. And when you can, you, you see other people's stories as well, you know that if you keep going, I mean, one of my favorite things 
to think about in my head is like the only way you fail is if you stop. And I really like that. I fully believe that. I mean, the, yeah. the only way you fail is when you decide that you failed and you stop trying. Um, exactly. But, you know, you've had, you know, you've had two startups at this point, you know, three. well, three now, three but now. you're on your third. third one, so yeah. you've, had, you've had two and you're on your third now. Um, what, just, I guess, talk a little bit about that. Like, for a lot of people who, you know, they're not in that world, it sounds very foreign, what you do. How can someone take a step into that or move it, make a move in that direction? So not suddenly, you know, raising for millions of dollars. They've got an idea, they've written it down on a piece of paper and they say, right, now I'm ready to, you know, pitch it to VCs. How can someone take the first step in that direction, though, if that's something that really, you know, ignites a fire inside of them? I think it's all about understanding the customer and the knowledge of the problem, the characteristics of the problem. The more knowledge and understandings you have of the customer and the problem, the stronger you are to build something. Okay. So many people, you know, move into the entrepreneur world without doing that step. Yeah. And they build something which no one wants. Yes. They put all their savings into something, spend hundreds of thousands of something. And, you know, both of my first startups were pretty much, you know, building something which no one wanted at the end. And that's the reason yeah. why they failed. Um, all the, just the market wasn't there, it yeah. wasn't strong enough. But I think the first thing to do, which has done very now in my third startup, is understand the customer, understand the problem statement. Um, and the more you understand that, the more comfortable you are moving forward. Mm. And as soon as you, you'll notice, like the more you talk to customers, you understand the problem, you get so excited that you found something that you can solve and help people. Mm. And then just moving in steps towards helping people and solving that problem, the more you build upon it. So I think that's a really powerful way to get into it, is just to spend all of your time focusing on the problem and the customer, understanding everything, and then you build a solution around it and mm. you keep having learnings, keep having learnings, keep having learnings. Imagine like you're building this billion dollar or hundred billion dollar or whatever, multi-million dollar company. And the key to unlocking that is understanding the customer and then you're building towards it and you're unlocking this potential in the market. Mm. But you have to prove that this potential is there to yourself and then obviously to investors as well. So I think that the best thing to do at the start is just research, 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 learn, yeah. learn, learn, talk, talk, talk. Um, and then just take steps with the customers. Yeah. Don't build something and then give it to them and then you know, if they don't like it, then it's failed. But just take steps, um, understanding, is this gonna work, will this work? Just be very curious. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really good way just to keep stepping into it and gradually build something which works. Really like that. It's sort of becoming solution orientated. So practicing solving problems, like looking for where problems are in your particular area of expertise, perhaps, understanding well, I went through this problem. How could I solve it in this way? And just not that you're going to create an app or you're going to create a product, but just going through that process once a day of, right, if I was to solve this problem as a bit of software, how might I do that? Is that possible? And just sort of constantly being in that space, I think, it trains your brain. You're kind of doing reps to train your brain to think in a certain way. And I think a big thing that I've realized as well is it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to make the next Google. If there's a problem that someone's having and you can solve it, then solve that problem and then see if you can help lots of people solve that problem. And it, it doesn't matter how sort of big or small that problem is. If there's a problem and you can solve it, focus on that and find the most efficient, creative um, and helpful way to do that. Um, so I think getting into that mindset uh, is really, really important. And I mean, we, I think we're doing it quite often, you know, 
we see problems, we see things in restaurants and we kind of go, well, how could they do that? Well, that's a SaaS product, we could build this. And I think it's, it's quite a fun exercise to do as well. And if you've got a friend who's also in that space, like mindset, just, you know, practice it with each other. You know, it's not silly. Don't be afraid to be silly and come up with a crazy solution. Just come up with something and see how that would work and just go through that process. And then just start doing that over time. And then, you know, who knows, you'll maybe fall upon something where you're like, actually, that's got a lot of legs to it. Absolutely. I also think, as well as the problem, the other thing is the team. Mm. And that comes down to you or you and your team, your co-founders. But understanding your edge of what you're best at, mm. because that's where you can really thrive. That's where you understand the problem more, most likely. That's where you can really deliver on the solution. So, you know, I think really understanding, taking a step back thing, what are you good at? Mm. And that was always really hard for me, because what I was always good at was raising money. Mm. And I was like, well, that's that was always like, I'm building problems, but I can use that to solve this other problem. Yeah. But that's not what I'm good at. Yeah. And now I've built a company which I really love because it's what I'm enjoying, what I'm good at, which is yeah. around raising money. So it's um, it's interesting how I've sort of learned that, but the long way, because I couldn't do that from the start. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do things which failed, but then learn how to raise, and then to do this one, which I really love because my passion's around raising money. That's so true, man. And the people you're working with now are gonna get the maximum value from you because one, you found that area where you can add the most value and you're most passionate about and that's that pinpoint area where you can just apply the most pressure, that's the maximum value. Um, so it's better for everyone. It's better for you because you've got more energy, you're more involved, you feel passionate about it, and they get more from you because you're in that state of mind and you're in that sort of way of thinking. So it's just, if you can find time finding where that area is that you can add the most value, then you should, and you should definitely build something around that. Um, what about people who say like, oh, I have no idea what my passion is. I have no idea where I could add value. Um, I don't have any purpose in life. You got any thoughts on that? Because I know a lot of people sort of say like, oh, I'm not passionate about anything. Um, I haven't got a purpose, so I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah, I guess it takes a bit of life experience. Yeah. I think most people in uni don't know what they want to do. Don't no. know what they, everyone's just the same thing, drinking every day and just partying and just thinking, yeah, there's no... I don't know, no one's, you don't have your own character yet. Yeah. I think you need that bit of life experience to know, okay, this is cool, I'm good at this. You know, video editing, that's my thing. Or yeah. like, you know, building tech products, that's my thing. Or, I don't know, coaching this, that's my thing. Being a personal trainer, that's my thing. Being a nutritionist, that's my thing. I think it takes time in life to understand that. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know, there's no right or wrong answer for how to come across what you're good at. I guess no. it's just having life experience, doing a job, changing jobs until you, you find totally. it. Trying things. Yeah. Trying yeah sometimes things. you need to know what you don't like to find out what you do like, yeah. you know, and then you know not to spend time in that area. Um, but I also think it's, it's interesting, like a lot of people that we see here, and we spoke about this the other day, a lot of people that we see here, they're working out here, but they're just slaves in the sunshine, yeah? They're yeah. people who, they have a job that they don't actually like, it's just in the sunshine. And for me, you're still stuck at that point. Because if you're, I think you should, like you said, find where you can add the maximum value, because that's where you're gonna help others the most, even if it's in business or if it's like person, other people, find where you can add the most value and then build something around that. So you're doing something meaningful day to day and then build it online so you can do it anywhere but then you're living it every day. You're not, because if you're still having a period of the day where you're doing something you really, really hate, but you're just in the sunshine, 
or you're you know you're by a beach or wherever you want to be you're still it's yeah maybe it's a bit better but you're still stuck and i see a lot of these things online where they say right start a this business i can get you to 10k in like three weeks if you do this and it's like do you really want that you know what are you searching for here is it just like the freedom or is it to sort of be doing what you want and then the freedom sort of comes along with that because um, i do find that sometimes that there's a lot online that we're sort of offered that is you know create a drop shipping store and sell these weird knickknacks it's like yeah you could do that like and i've looked into it and i thought about it but is that why i'm here is that why i've been put on earth is to sell weird knickknacks on a on a drop shipping store maybe some people have and that's great but for me i always struggle with those things and i struggle to put like 100% of myself into it because I know it's not myself. So I think if I, you, anyone can find that thing where you add the value, you find out what your gifts are, do that, create it how you want, build a business that's online, and then you can do, live out whatever your purpose is, help people in the most you know, valuable way, and then do it from anywhere. I think that's, that's far more interesting to me than just like you know, earning a quick million, selling like a colored toilet roll or something. Don't know what you think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, trying to toilet it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but then there's also an argument of just, well, sometimes you should just do things to make money. And then once you made the money, like you don't, it shouldn't all be about just, you know, rainbows and butterflies and always doing what you want. But I do think with anything that you are building, there are going to be those boring tasks that come with it anyway. So you are, you know, you can't ever escape it, but you might as well, if the boring tasks are there anyway, the tedious things you might as well be moving in the direction of something that's actually meaningful to you yeah I think if you do something you love then you're not really working every day yeah like I've never actually felt like I've done a day's work even though I've done nice. like <laughs> I've done a lot of days yeah, work no, yeah, like yeah. for a lot of hours but it just feels like a fun uni project I'm working yeah. on you know like it just feels like that it doesn't feel like I'm in you know slaving away in office because I've always done something I'm passionate about that I love yeah um, so yeah I think yeah some people they're motivated by money, that's fine. Yeah. I think most people aren't motivated by money as such. Money's a byproduct of doing something successful, but the key thing every day to be happy is doing something where you're adding value and you're enjoying it. Mm. So I think for sure, if you can find that and then monetize it in a way so you've got really good income as well, that's like the creme de la creme. You've got creme all, those, creme. all those boxes ticked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you can only get half those ticked, then that's fine. But I think if you can get all those ticked, then that's, that's superb. Yeah, yeah, I like that, man. That's, yeah, I mean, for me personally, again, like you said, it's different, what's it? Different, whatever people want to do, they want to do. And if you're passionate about something, then try and find a way to monetize it. And it's interesting, like you said, it's a fun uni product uh, project. The first time I made like a little bit of money online, like I made like a thousand, couple of thousand in a month of like a project of, of like something I was just putting videos out online and I was, and it was all to do with music education. And I really enjoyed making the videos and people really liked it. And I was like, that's fun. Like it was like a challenge. It was, yeah. it didn't seem real. It didn't seem like my job where I was kind of having to trade my like soul and energy for money. It was like, this, that's ridiculous. Like that was fun. And I made a bit of money doing that. And yeah. it's a very different feeling. It's much more light. And um, I don't know how you'd describe it. Yeah, and I think what you said then, trading your soul for money. Yeah. I think that's my, always been my biggest fear, is just nine to five, slaving away, um, you know, just trading your soul for money, mm. and then maybe a few weeks of the year you can have fun. Um, you know, on the weekends you might have a bit of fun, but then that's it. So yeah. Your entire year 
you've got this much fun. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just so sad <laughs> and I can't ever live like that, yeah. <laughs> ever. Because right now my entire year is it's fun. It's just fun, <laughs> nice. It's just fun. And that, if it's just a few weeks of the year, feels like a prison sentence to me. Yeah. It actually does feel like a prison yeah. sentence. Like I want to live every day like it could be my last, just enjoy it, um, you know, work hard, smash, have, be successful. Um, but yeah, I don't want to ever trade my energy for money, ever. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Mate, I appreciate yeah. you and appreciate keep building the island. Always. Uh, building the island. And yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be back here very soon. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good chat. Smashed it.